Welcome to the England Rugby Pod. Thanks for downloading episode 5. England, with a hard-fought win in terrible conditions at Murrayfield, means they're right back in this championship. But what will the sausages say? You're listening to the England Rugby Pod, the rugby podcast that believes England will win the World Cup in 2023. Hey guys, welcome back. Uh, it's It's been a, a, a slightly late episode, but we've got a week off, so we thought let's spread it out. Um, you don't want to hear too much from us. Um, but uh, we, we've got to talk about the game against Scotland up in uh, up in Edinburgh, the Calcutta Cup, and of course joining me to do that, as always, is Dan. Hi, mate. Hello, mate. Hello, mate. Well, uh, not not the best looking of games ever, but it was our first win since the World Cup final. So I think I think that is really important. <laughs> since the World Cup semi final. Since the World Cup semi final, <laughs> shit, yeah, yeah. But maybe I'm rewriting history here. I like uh, it. I like yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's how I wish it went uh, since the World Cup semi final. So it's, um, yeah. I, I, I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't a classic, was it? No, I mean, look, it was. It, perhaps we were all underestimating. Um, you know, there was obviously a lot of chat about the conditions. We were all underestimating the impact it was going to have. It was one of those games where, in the moment, it was really frustrating because you just kind of yeah. expect these guys to be able to, to do everything right. And having having got a result, the way you know, the result gone the way that we wanted it to, and had had a chance to sort of digest and, and look back on it. Actually, my opinion of the game has changed quite a bit. Um, yeah. In the moment, I was really frustrated. You know, all the kicking um, was, was sort of winding me up. Um, but actually, you know, you watch the post-match interviews with various players as well as with Eddie. And, um, you know, they, they had a game plan and it was a game plan that worked. It might have seemed um, it might have seemed a bit risky given how close the, the, the game ended up. But, you know, they didn't want the ball. And in those conditions, they made it very clear that you know you were you were better off without the ball, which is a weird thing to say, I think, you know, because at the end of the day, you've got to score points to win, and you need the ball to score points. But um, yeah, there was there were there were a lot of positives in a, in a game that, as you say, is was was kind of pretty out there. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't as it, it wasn't a classic. Um, yeah. yeah. What, what did a- you think? I mean, you know, it, look, it was a kicking game. It had to be, it had to be. So the first thing, I knew it was going to be a really shit game when I was watching the build-up and Jerry Guscott said he thought there'd be a load of tries. And I was like, oh, God, that means there's going to be none. <laughs> don't, don't get me wrong. I, Jerry Guscott as a player was absolutely immense. He could not predict things worse on BBC. Like, whatever he says isn't going to happen. So when he's like, England are going to win easily, I'm always like, oh, shit. Um, but what I thought, so my thoughts of the game, the first half, I thought we were brilliant. We were playing into a really strong win. We got to remember, obviously not not quite on the same level, but we've all played in those games where the conditions are so bad that it's really it becomes almost impossible to play any level of rugby. So first half, I thought we did a brilliant job, and I was really happy going into half time. Yeah, I agree. Um, because coming second half, I thought win with us. Second half, same as you. I get why we played that way and nothing against it. Well done, guys. Great win. But there were frustrations. I think when you kick out on the full a few times, it's so hard to judge that win. So I'm not going to like have a massive go at them. But how the try came, well done, guys. But I, I was so annoyed we didn't run that. 
I, I would yeah. like to have seen us just run a little bit more in the second half. I, I because... don't understand, Dan, why we, we have one of, the, one of the quickest, if not the quickest winger in, the, in world rugby. Yeah. Why didn't we at least try out what it's like to put him with wind at his back? Yeah, at least give it a go. Just see what happens. You know, we tried all sorts of other things. Why not try that one? Um, yeah, it was a yeah. bit frustrating that, that we didn't get to see see them attempt to let Johnny uh, cause some problems. Um, I agree with you. I, I get I get the kicking game. Uh, I, I don't really know why they were going for such tight kicks. Um, you know, Willie Hines two two or three in a row, I think, where he tried to shove it down the down the touchline, but he wasn't going for touch. So it's like if you're not going to go for touch and the wind is so unpredictable. Why not just shove it down the middle? I mean, the try eventually came from a kick down the middle. Yeah, it's, um, you know, the most important the, the kicking game was about was about territory. It was about pushing them back into their own half as often as possible and put, to put them under pressure. Great. There's no need for that to happen on the on the edge of the on the edge of the field. Um, I also thought that um, you know Scotland when um, oh god uh, Scotland captain fullback. Um, Stuart Hogg. Hogg. There was one moment where Stuart Hogg caught the ball deep, and he dummied the kick, and then he ran it, and then he and then he kicked it. You know, but he but he he gained probably twenty yards in the counter attack because it was one on one, and it's he's he's quick, and then he was able to shove it along the ground into touch, and he made far more ground than he ever would have done booting it from his own twenty-two. Um, you know, I feel like that should have been like a little message to go. Oh, that works. We should try that. But actually, more importantly than any of that, uh, the, you know, the line-out was obviously massively affected too. No, no blame on the hookers because clearly, they even if you threw it straight, it was still, it was still it's, going nowhere yeah. near straight. And, and, and a referee has no choice; he can't say, "Oh, it was the wind. I'm going to let you get away with it." So, unfortunately, there was a lot of those. It did make me think at times. You're you're, you're kicking to touch in order to win a line-out, in order to win the ball back, in order to have a go. Why not just tap and go? Yeah, I, I think so. I, th- I think if you get momentum going forward, so I agree with that. As it turns out, we were winning. We were getting a lot more line outs by yeah, and it improved massively. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But do you know what I mean? Like, what, why, what, what is the why are why are professional teams averse? And there might be a good explanation for this, but why are they averse to the old school? You know, tap and go. Or, or, or line, line the forwards up, uh, you know, and, and do a little sort of American football style little move. But, you know, just literally tap, go, give it to a big to, to one of the big boys, have two or three of them go in together, and immediately you're in the same boat as if they picked from the back of the ruck and went. Yeah, I, so I miss that. And then those are the days where, and this was something else, because, I mean... How how much could we have predicted that weather? I, I think it was no, but isn't nothing's definite, is it weather wise? But those are the days where you kind of want your fatties. You're carrying like like you say the old school like underage type rugby. You give it to the fat kid and just run hard. So I I I think we were missing that, and that's hard to know because I guess if you train with a team in the week, you don't expect quite those atrocious conditions. Mm. But I think the game plan was if we just constantly play in their 22 or as near to that as we can, eventually something's going to come our way. And it did. So that's lucky. I am glad. I've got to say, I am glad that Stuart Hogg, when he sort of fumbled and I think it was Farrell who put it down, 
I am glad that wasn't a try. I'm only glad now because we got a try straight after. Because I like Stuart Hogg and I think it would have just been... He's been given a lot of criticism for that. I, I, I think that's harsh. Um, firstly, he didn't actually do anything wrong because he got the ball down. Uh, I, I, second, yeah, I, I'd have liked a few, more, uh, a few more looks at it, if I'm honest. <clears throat> Like well, I, know, I know that you don't have to put the put, you, you don't have to use downward pressure with your hands to 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 touch the ball down um, over your own line, but I'd have liked to have seen whether or not he actually touched the ball down in in goal. Oh, I thought he did, but he because because he's defending. I think he did with his like midriff. So yeah, but what I, I mean is like, I'm not convinced that the ball was grounded in the goal in goal. But anyway, oh, okay. The, the, I, I thought it had, but either way, we got the try next. We're, well, well done, Ellis Genge. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, mate. Like you say, it was one of those games where we were deserved winners of that. I, I was saying, I said after match, I was chatting to a mate, and I was like, I thought the referee had a great game, and then it was pointed out to me. I probably thought that because he does, did seem to the, the decisions did seem to go our way. Um, but, you know, that's how I want the referees to referee. That, that is good referee. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is brilliant refereeing. So I don't, I don't get what, he, what his point was. Um, Let me ask you, Dan, a game like that. Yeah. We would, well, you in particular are a big advocate for take the points. Yes. When the wind is that, is having that much of an effect, and you look at the Cafarrell, I think at one point he was one from four, I think. Yeah. Um, and he was striking the ball well. So it wasn't like he was miskicking. Uh, he was striking the ball well, but the wind just obviously taking over. Would you say that that's a good time to say, do you know what, actually, stick it in, stick it in touch? Uh, because, you know, the, the, the kind of the chance of, of a successful kick is so slim. Or yeah. would, you, would you stick to your take the points and, yeah, sure, he didn't get them all, but eventually he got them and they made the difference? Yeah, it, it's a tough one because, like you say, it's going to be such a low-scoring game that you kind of think take like an opportunity. I think there you weigh up where there are if it's even if it's fairly dead in front, even if it's fifty-fifty. I think you have a go at post where you're starting getting where even if you're well within range, but you're right in a corner where even the best kickers in the world with that wing can't do. I think maybe then, all right, let's go for the corner because. Not you know, eight times out of ten might be missing. I don't know the statistics. But then I think you've got more flexibility not to take the points in that situation. But I still think on the whole, that should be the instinct. This is just obviously my thought because because it's going to be such a low-scoring game. Yeah. I mean, obviously, if it's a no-brainer, obviously, if you're in front of the posts, wind or not, you know, you know you're going to get it 99 times out of 100, then, then of course, take your points the normal rules apply but when you're out on the on the edges when you're looking at a 40 meter kick in that kind of wind I don't know I just think that he took one he saw he saw how much the wind affected it 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 wasn't a bad kick I think I think you have in that situation you have to be able to say it, you know the next opportunity isn't about trying to make up for the missed one because it as I said you know it was a decent kick um the conditions are just dictating that actually you know, you'd be better off going for the corner. And Scotland did. And, OK, England's defence kept them out, and that's great. And maybe we got a bit lucky, and, you know, particularly with that Sinclair um, turnover slash illegal handling of the ball in the yeah. ruck. Um, you know, and obviously the Scottish fans and the Scottish pundits are all kind of saying, well, you know, Scotland might have scored them. Yeah, they might have done, they might not. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's frustrating, and we'd have been pretty annoyed if it was the other way around. Um 
but you know they were they were a bit more aggressive in that respect. Um, you know they took their points when they needed them. Well, sorry, they took their points when they knew they were going to get them. Yeah. But otherwise, they gave themselves you know the opportunity to maintain possession. You know when territory dictated that that was the most important thing for them to to have. So uh, yeah, I'd like to have seen a little bit more of that. You know, it, at times it felt it felt a little bit too much like well, this is what we always do, so we're going to do it again. But uh, but generally, I thought you know they controlled the game really well. They always looked the better team, England. Yeah, I thought. So. Um, it, as you say, it was a great first half, and yeah, I was a bit surprised. I thought we were going to see more. I, I, I really expected the kicking game pinned back uh, Scotland and prevented them from getting on the scoreboard in the first half. I really thought that the second half we were going to open up and score a few tries. But in my head, I was thinking win behind Johnny Lightning May. Yeah, um, and it's a shame that never happened. Um, we, I mentioned last week about we were talking about Elliot Daly at fullback, and I was talking about his kick chase. Um, yeah, there was an interesting stat that I read. Well, not an interesting stat at all, but I was reading the uh, the post the post match kind of review of, of the you know, of the individuals, and uh, the, the write up on Elliot Daly was, um, you know, he had a good game, did a lot of kick chasing, and you know, didn't manage to win any any ball. But uh, but you know he was always there or thereabouts. Yeah. I mean he's he's chasing kicks, isn't he? Like he's putting pressure on it. Uh, Do we want I, more though? Do we want you know, like may, maybe this game it wasn't about trying to win the ball back? But I kind of think that in this day and age and with at this level, you you always want to give yourself a chance, and and the best teams do. Yeah, you know, the best teams make life difficult for you because they always give themselves a chance to win the ball back. Which is, you know, that's far better pressure than simply there's a guy running at me who's going to jump in the air. I don't know. I don't know. Whether, I don't know whether it's. I don't know whether it's that the kicks are just going that five yards too long and he's not able to get there in time, um, or or if he's just maybe just slightly undercommitted. So when he when he does get there, he's not actually trying to retrieve the ball. He's just trying to make a nuisance of himself. And I just think that's dangerous because. You know, with the quality of opposition that exists and the potential for counter-attack, you might be able to make a nuisance of yourself. But if that nuisance results in you giving the ball to one of their quickies, you know, in a really strong position, you actually can end up being a real negative. Yeah, it could. But to play devil's advocate here, in those conditions on that day, mm. maybe you didn't want to try and catch it because otherwise you're the one ending up knocking it on. Maybe, whereas yeah. if you're putting pressure... Yeah, I, mean, no, I guess that's kind of my my question is is do we think that's what what was going on there? Do you think it was literally just a case of we don't want the ball at all except except when we know we're going to get a penalty? We just want to put them under pressure and make them make mistakes, and we'll just keep grinding it down. And then you know every now and then opportunities will come, and that's when we'll take them. Yeah, po- yeah, possibly. I mean, one thing we've got to say: England clearly had a game plan, and you know the game plan worked. We won the game. And, and, you know, we won the game away at Murrayfield in atrocious conditions. And we've, you know, we've got that W on the board. So it, it's hard to, it's hard, it's hard to criticise them. It's hard to be, as Ellis Gaines would say, it's hard to be a sausage. But I, I think, I think we're probably the king of sausages. But um, What are you talking about? <laughs> I think we say I think I think we say some weird stuff. Yeah, but but, um, but we, we, we sausages are the ones that tell the that, that, that say that they can't play rugby anymore. Oh, so we're steak then. Which, exactly, exactly. Yeah, prime, okay. we're, prime fillet. That's what we're. Right, what we're all right, we're with a fillet um, steaks. Nice. It, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it was a weird one. It was kind of like it was. It was a relief, as you say, to get the W. Um, 
but it was it was kind of frustrating to watch because obviously we wanted to see a performance after what happened in France. Um, I don't. I think that I feel a bit sorry for Scotland. Not that sorry, but a little bit because it was such an you know because both England and Scotland lost their openers. That was a must-win game for both teams. You know, the one that lost that Six Nations is is over. Obviously, there's still three games to go, but you know, any any chance of competing, uh, you know, for the title is gone. And for them, that that's now the case. And I I think England. I think in you know in good conditions, I think England would have won the game convincingly. Um, I think they're the better side, but mm. I don't think that that game really shone any light on on the quality I don't think you can take much from it and I don't think they'll be doing too much analysis of that game in terms of prepping for uh, Ireland in in you know 10 days time yeah I agree you can't or a week's time in fact yeah yeah just over a week yeah you can't account for that so like I say I do feel a bit sorry for Scotland because now like Scotland round fine they've got Italy next and they'll get the W on the board but you know, England are really right back in this. The only team... Uh, oh, no, Ireland have won two, haven't they? Ireland, Ireland and Wales. Uh, sorry, Ireland have won two. Wales have won one. England have won one. France so if Wales beat two. France and we beat Ireland, there's four teams that have won two, lost one. That'll, yeah. be, that'll be interesting. Yeah. That would be really good. And then we'll have Wales. What we want is probably France to beat Wales, us to beat Ireland... So that us and Ireland are. No, I I, I want Wales to beat France. Us and Ireland have played two one one. What? So, no, yeah, played, moment, sorry, yeah. played played three, lost one. France yeah. plant France yeah. played three one three. Then Ireland beat France. Ireland and Scotland beat France. Um, I, no, I I I'd quite like all four teams to be play two, uh, played three one two. I'd quite like that. Um, it makes it just that makes it really interesting. Do you remember? I can't remember. I, I don't know. Sort of probably about four years ago now. When on that last day, when Wales like destroyed Italy and it was going to end, then Ireland destroyed yeah. Scotland, and then we had to beat we had to beat France. I think mean, it was by loads, and we and we almost did it. Now, like at, at last, I think, day, I think like we needed to beat France by thirty odd, and we managed to put fifty five on them, but but we also conceded yeah. about forty. Yeah, yeah. Well, I feel, yeah, I, I think we were only a try away, actually. I think yeah, it was we, close, uh, but it yeah, was, they, yeah. you know, there, there was there was a lot of points scored that day. There's a hell of a Yeah, lot that of would points. be a good weekend, although we've obviously got Italy in our final game, so it's a bit less. I don't know, there's something there's something oh. nice about having a big game for your final one. Um, and oh, I don't massive, obviously you want to jinx yeah. anything, but you know, Italy are just not not looking good at the moment. Um, and so they've become, they, they are the whipping boys once again. Um, and it becomes a question of by how much. Um, so we want to make sure we're in a strong position going into that game, and uh, I guess, but I guess you know that's not a bad place to be if it's a, if it's going to come down to points difference. Yes, you know, yeah, if it you've is. Got a, uh, if you've got to max max out your points difference, then then Italy's the game you want to do it in. You don't want to be going up against Ireland or France or someone knowing that you've got to find an an additional thirty. It's it's yeah, completely right, completely right with. We've actually got so what we so we've got Ireland and Wales. There. So two toughies. We've got two toughies, two but but at game. HQ, both yeah. with, a, with a week off in between. Um, I think you know, England have a good good opportunity to be in a good place with the, with this one. Obviously, Ireland Ireland's record against England not look good re- in recent times. No, um, I think we we destroyed them. We've destroyed them at HQ and and in Dublin, and then again in the World Cup warm up, didn't we? 
both in Dublin uh, and at HQ again. Yeah, I can't remember. I, I know last Six Nations, that was a great win. Uh, and that was in Dublin, obviously. So uh, I can't remember before that. World Cup worn up, we beat them well. I think I, I heard, so, I can't remember where I heard this, but someone was saying I couldn't agree more. I think it does quite largely depend on what team we pick. Um, because yeah, Ireland... I mean- we, we, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll focus on all of that in our in our build yeah, up to the Ireland game, but um, you're right. I mean, I don't think he's going to make a huge number of changes. I mean, again, difficult to to take too much <clears throat> from that game. But yeah. did you? You know, one of our big concerns was obviously at eight. Um, did you feel that Tom Curry? I mean, to me, he looked a little bit a little bit more eightish. Yeah, I thought he had a good game. A few little pick and goes from the back. He 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 seemed bigger. It's it, it's so hard because. In, in that game, do you want a big, do you want a fatty ball carrier? But that wasn't our game plan. So actually, maybe you do want a scrapper, a Tom Curry. So it, it's hard to know. Yeah, I thought Tom Curry had a good game. He's, he, if Billy, say for, you know, God forbid, but say Billy had a really long-term injury or something and just couldn't play for England, I don't think Curry's the answer at eight instead of Billy. So I think we need to look there. I mean, Eddie may think otherwise. I personally don't think he's the answer to eight when Billy's not there. I think there's another answer. Do you, do you think, though, he's he's banking on Billy coming back? Like, you know, what what do you think? Do you, do you think his plans would change? If, 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 if he Billy knew was Billy wasn't, out. yeah, if he knew Billy wasn't coming back. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, and that's that's what concerns me because I think. It worked so well, like the Cunder Hill with Billy. That works so oh, well. Awesome. But the problem is you can't replace Billy. So do you, it, it is so hard, do you try and replace him with a slightly lesser version? Like, a, a, you know, the Billy's like the Billy 2.0. So do you replace him with a Billy minus 2.0? Or do you change the whole dynamics of the back row? And, I've, and Eddie's gone for the whole dynamics. I personally would like to see a, a ball carrying eight, like a, a, a very. I don't think I think Curry gives it a gun. I think he's. I don't think he's bad at it at all. But he's not a Billy. I don't, I, he's not a Sam Simmons to me. He's not a Don Brandt. But you know that they, they lack a lot of the stuff that Curry does have. So yeah, yeah. Well, sti- I still want to see Curry Underhill um, at six and seven. Although I thought Ludlam was really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. Um, I, I mean, interestingly, so we had a we had a a message from. Um, Andy from Newcastle, uh, who says, and our c- catering, I think, is uh, his... T- We've heard from him before. We have yeah. heard from him before. He says, yeah. hi, lads. Great to see you guys back and looking forward to, the f- to your future pods. Uh, listening to your last couple of discussions about not having cover for Billy at number eight, yeah. on this and other less interesting pods, why do you think that Don Brandt is getting so much coverage when Mark Wilson, World Cup finalist, may I add, is not even getting a mention, even though he is back fit? Surely he must be back in the mix for the last three games, and then it's problem solved. Curry, Underhill, Wilson. I would say... Firstly, Mark Wilson isn't an eight. He might be able to play there. He might have played there before. But but like the situation we have at the moment, for England, he's been a six. Yeah, um, he's, he's played eight for England before. But he, did, but he uh... has got more experience there. And, and so I, I I agree. I think Curry Underhill Wilson would be a would be a decent back three. Um, that, but is, I, that is so hard. I mean, that I, is so tough. It, it, I think the reason he's not really being mentioned is because everyone knows what he's capable of. And he, he's already in the mix, but he's been injured and only just back from, from injury. Yeah, I, I think you're replacing... If you bring him in, I think you're replacing uh, sort of light for light with Curry. But, the, but the, Don really, Brandt, the Don Brandt thing, it's because Wilson was unavailable 
and he and Billy was unavailable and Don Brandt's been playing so well. So I think, to answer your question, I think the reason why everyone's talking about Don Brandt isn't because they've forgotten about Mark Wilson. Um, I think it's simply that, you know, we, we need a permanent... We need a permanent option at eight. You know, it's yeah. no good saying Billy's our man and when he's not about, we'll try something different. Um, and it might be that that's, that's what, what Eddie's looking to do with, with Curry is develop him, uh, you know, and who knows, maybe he'll turn out to be an awesome number eight and everyone will be talking about him as a number eight in the years to come. But I'm not that, convinced. That, that, that could be. Eddie, Eddie has a very keen eye. So I'm not ruling out Eddie's judgment just yet on this. Um, but it's I I'm with you. I'd like to see a I'd like to see another option now. I'd like to see another solution because it's so hard because all the players there are such quality players that yeah. I don't want to I don't want to be here like oh you know we're screwed without them because that's just not the case because you know even if we have Curry we've still got a great player. Oh yeah, for um, sure. I think it's what we've said in the past. It's it's not that he's not it's not that he's not good on the pitch when he's playing eight. It's that he's not as effective as he could be if he was playing six. Yeah, exactly. And and I think that's the same with Wilson. It's not that he can't play out, play eight and play eight well. It's that, I, to me, Wilson's a finisher. So my ideal would be, say Billy's out the mix, my ideal right now would be Curran Underhill at six and seven, however they want to go, um, Don Brandt to eight and Wilson on the bench because Wilson can cover all three. That's yeah. how I'd like to see it. Yeah, it's oh, not a bad shout. And, and, and Ludlam's just unlucky. Yeah, I think Ludlam just missed out, but him, him, him and Wilson sort of fighting out for that six Yeah, keep, keeping pressure on. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't disagree. Um, I think that would be an interesting one. And, and actually, Don Brandt would then probably be the, you know, the unfortunate sort of player that would miss out when Billy's back, depending on, yeah, how, he, depending on possibly, how he goes. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, I'm not a massive fan of of ha- constantly having laws covering the back row. I think he's so much better in uh, you know when he's in the second row. I don't think he's an international back row. I think at Premiership level he can play it and he can have and have big impact. I think he can do a good job at, at international level, but I don't think he can have the big impact there. And and that's not him. I don't think any of our second row can. And we've got the best second row well, in the world. But it's the so. same. It's the same issue that we've got with having Curry in at eight, isn't it? You know, we're saying the same thing. He's a great yeah, player. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's good to have on the pitch, but you want him in his prime position. There's no point in going, we've got 15, 15, you know, world-class players if we did have, um, but they're all playing out of position because you're not going to have a great team, <laughs> you know, just because yeah. the individuals are good at doing other things. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think that's a good shout. I think I think Wilson in the mix, but also it doesn't mean you have to you know you don't have to have Wilson or Don Brandt. You have the pair of them. And even yeah, yeah. And, and even if you wanted to go the other way, even if you wanted to go with experience, Wilson starts, Don Brandt comes on for a bit of impact. I'd be okay with that too. Yeah, that, that's okay. What do you think? Speaking of world class players, what do you reckon about this? Uh, this is a stretch saying speaking about world class players. But what do you reckon, thinking about uh, the RFU slashing funding for the championship, which a lot of England players have come through that route? Have uh, you seen that? I, I saw the headline. I haven't uh, explored it yet. So, so the <laughs> you, RFU, you tell me what you think. So the RFU, basically, they, they gave, I, I can't remember exact figures, but I think it's about 550 grand a year to all championship sides. Right. They're now half the amount they're giving to the championship sides. So like, I think it's about 280. They're more than half it. So... And they're saying it's because the championship haven't met 
the criteria set in place for them, et cetera, et cetera. But it's my, my worry with this, two things. Firstly, there's an argument to me, Could it, the, the argument that it could be a good thing is the championship won't be able to afford to buy players. So may need to rent a lot more from premiership clubs, mm-hmm. which means that a lot of England fringe players might get more game time. Um, but the, my two concerns about it, firstly, we want two good tiers. I think mean, if you have two good tiers, it makes it better. And secondly, it says to me that they might well be looking to ring fence for premiership. I, I really don't want to see that. Even this season, with because we know Saracens have been relegated, the premiership is less interesting to me now. Yeah. I think having relegation makes it so much more interesting. Than oh, I agree. I agree, hundred percent. It's it's you end up with with teams just sort of <coughs> not really caring. Yeah, they they, yeah. they they have a five year plan rather than a season plan. Yeah, exactly. If, if suddenly after even after a quarter of a season, if you're bottom of the league, even if you're quite a good team, you're bottom of the league after a quarter of a season. You're thinking realistically, we can't make top four now. Let let's just chill out the rest of the season. You know, use it as a train. There's no incentive then and people could say oh well get into Europe and things but that's not it's not quite the same as whereas if after court for a season you're bottom of the league you're like oh shit we need to pick our game up, otherwise we're going down like Leicester must have been thinking that that makes it so interesting yeah, but no, I agree so I don't know I hope that's yeah I hope that's not what they're going to do um, I I guess the big question is what where's the rest of that money going to go well apparently it's going and and I'm not saying it's bad apparently they did say it's going to go to like grassroots or community rugby or or whatever. Not necessarily grassroots, but community rugby. And, but that, but and maybe there's a maybe there's value in that. Maybe, maybe. You know, rather I, than I, saying I, saying because let's be honest, you know, you're, you're just the RFU at the moment is putting that money into paying players. Yes, it is putting that money. Into whereas, paying players. whereas by taking some of that away and putting it into grassroots, it's putting it into um, creating you know, opportunities for more people to get into rugby, for more people to play more rugby, for more people to be able to train and, and get better. And, you know, long term, is that is there, is there actually more value in saying, look, we're not just going to let you pay pay more money for your players. We're going yeah. to try and make sure that more players are coming along, uh, you know, who can who can be picked for these teams. And Yeah, because a lot of that money is probably going towards paying non-English qualified players as well, which, great, it's good to have a... Thing, but actually, if we're looking at it from England's point of view, then yeah, you're right. Maybe maybe there is benefit to that. But I don't think they've completely defined where it's going. Or if they have, I haven't. I haven't seen yeah. that. Pockets of the uh, the board. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, something <laughs> new, new jags for the. Yeah, we need we need a new set of set of uh, jaguars for the yeah, uh, sort of, for the board members. England means, Jag yeah. One and England Jag Two. And... <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, I'm starting to buy into that. Yes, yeah, nice, nice idea. <laughs> um, Sweet. Uh, I I don't think there's much more we can really. Did you, did you you mentioned to me something about Ellis Gann. Oh yeah, we do. should definitely talk about Ellis Genge. Yeah. In fact, there's a couple of. There's, I've just thought of something else as well. So first, before we go to Ellis Genge, talk to me about Murrayfield and just the lack of silence during kicking and just the whole atmosphere. You know, for so long rugby's been one of those sports that's great because you know you can go and sit in the middle of the away stand, so to speak, and it's just as much fun. It's banter. It's starting to feel like one of those sports where you've got to keep yourself to yourself because you start mixing in and, and, and it just all gets a bit too abusive. Uh. It's, it, it, it's a tough one, this. So there's a few things. Uh, I 
Firstly, we've got to bear in mind, like, it's, it's England, Scotland, the emotions and tend to be a bit higher anyway. Not that that's an excuse. Second thing, it was such a poor game that the crowd were a bit bored. Uh, I'm not saying this is an excuse, but I still want to see. It's so hard because you can't have both ways. Like, I still want to see, like, yes, respect the kicker. And I still completely agree with that. But you do want. You know, there's such chat about, oh, it's such an intimidating atmosphere. And it makes a build-up to a match quite interesting, like people saying going to uh, Wales and, you know, going to Cardiff and things. Yeah, yeah and- but, but you do that. I mean, there's plenty of noise. That's all That's all well and good. But, um, you know, when you've got clips of, of Scotland fans just, you know, showing England players the wanker sign and, you know, shouting, fuck you and fuck this. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. You know, that- and you're just like, that. you're in the wrong, it's the wrong sport, mate. Yeah, what, no, what are you I doing? Like, that. fair enough. Give them some abuse, but yeah, it should be banter. It shouldn't just be unnecessary yeah. aggression because ultimately that that spills out in other ways. And you know, you want to be able. To, it's, rugby is one of those games you want to be able to take your kids to. You know, the, the few football uh, Premiership football matches that I've been to where we weren't fortunate enough to be um, with Tim, it it just wasn't fun. Yeah, and no, I, I agree with that. And, and I mean, I guess the thing to say to those fans who are doing that is, fuck you, you're wankers. Uh, but yeah, but, you know, how do you, but how do you stamp it no, out? No, like, no, what are, what are, I mean, I'm reading bullshit about from, from Scottish fans saying, oh, no, it's you know, what people weren't booing him throughout the entire kick. It was only because he was taking too long. No, they started booing the minute he, just said, he said he was going for posts and they, the booing just got louder right up until the point he struck the ball in the hope of putting him off. Yeah, I, it's, I mean, it's I, just wrong. I I do agree. It, it, there's a there's a fine line. I don't know exactly where those line is, but yeah, doing them like wang signs, that sort of abuse. It's it's a bit pathetic, but you know, it, it's hard to know. It's hard to know. You want you want there to be great atmosphere. Yeah. It's such a fine line, isn't it? Because I just want I hope atmosphere. that I hope that uh, that Twickenham isn't like that for the next two, <laughs> because it, it won't, my it experiences won't of it, uh, you know, are that. For the most part, people do respect the kicker um, on both and, and, sides. And you should. You should respect the kicker because, I mean, as much as anything, you, you know, it, it, you, if they've earned a penalty and they're going for post, I, I don't think it I mean, puts off the, the kicker. The, the, the irony, the, I was going to say, the irony is that uh, if you are wanting to put the kicker off, deathly silence is probably far more effective. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. I think that would be a lot harder to 80, do. 80,000 people and you can hear a pin drop and they're all watching you take your kick. That's more pressure than if they're all screaming and you just get into your zone and do your thing. Um, so, yeah, I'm not, it's not that I think that it was off-putting for, for Farrell, um, but it's just like just a bit, it's a bit sad. Um, but anyway, such is the way things are going down. Let's just hope that uh, it can turn a corner. Um, there, there's been some some chat. I don't know if I mentioned it in the last episode or if I just mentioned it to you when we were talking. But there's been a lot of chat about South Africa joining the Six Nations after the next uh, World Cup, and it's had uh, it's had a fairly mixed uh, a fairly mixed response. No, I, I I don't want it. What's your What's your kind of reason for? Well, I so, so my reason for it, I don't want there to be more teams. I think the Six Nations is really good as it is, and. I think the point of uh, Six Nations is it's a Northern Hemisphere one. Mm-hmm. I, I like the fact that there's the Northern Hemisphere, Southern Hemisphere thing. This is just my personal opinion. I'm not, would, it, I'm... would it not be good to get more exposure yeah, you... to the Southern Hemisphere teams uh, if we, every well, year you get to play? Well, I think you've got the Autumn Internationals and the yeah, tours yeah. each summer. I, I don't think you need... I don't think you need it. I don't think it's... 
the days of old where you never played them. I still think we played them enough. Um, and there's the summer tours. No, I, I don't. I mean, there's part of me that, yeah, that'd be good. But it wouldn't. Part of the Six Nations for me is the history of it. Like the, yeah. the great rivalries. Well, of course, and, it was a Four Nations, then a Five Nations, then a Six Nations. Then a Six Nations. And I don't think it should be bigger. And I think from a fan's point of view, I think the fact that you've got Italy having, having joined, you know, there isn't that history there. There isn't that, that side of it, which, which in actual fact probably does maybe take something away from it. But then like all the fans say, like a trip to Rome and things, it's close. It's yeah, yeah. Near, you're, you're not popping still... over to Johannesburg or Cape Town. <laughs> yeah. I am. I, um, I'm personally, I'm saying no. Fair enough. I, I don't disagree with you. I was just put, putting it out there just to, for discussion yeah. purposes. Um, yeah. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think I, no, I think I agree with you. I think I agree with you. I think is uh, it's, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't take great issue with playing South Africa every year in the Six Nations, but I, I agree. I think it's a shame when you, when it's when it's not close enough that you can just pop over for the weekend if that's what you want to do. Because I think that's one of the great things about the Six Nations is that you know you can tour around all these different countries without having to you know <laughs> without having to, to to jet off and and spend ten hours in the air and. Um, you know, it's, it's just too expensive, and South Africa, flying South Africa is one of the most expensive places to go anyway. So, uh, you know, it would end up being all of South Africa's home games would just be South Africans in the, you know, with the odd the odd English person living out there, and and vice versa over here. Although yeah, half of Ellsfield well, would be at Twickenham. Yeah, yeah, I saw Wimbledon all that, but also I think it. So for me, if especially with like Lions talk coming up to South Africa. I think it would take away a bit of a mystique. I, I quite yeah, like yeah, that, true. having that stuff. You know, suddenly like... I guess from oh, their point of view, they're just thinking that it's the time zone issue, isn't it? But that's their problem. Well, no, because South Africa is only like an hour or so ahead, isn't it? For for us, but to go over to New Zealand and Australia. Uh, yeah, yeah, I get it. But yeah, that's... It's their like problem, Dan. Let them, let, them, yeah. let them sort it out. Well, they can do an African Cup of Nations. Nice, which, yeah. yeah. Or, or whatever. Well, but, just, or, it, that probably already exists. They can just join it. And just win yeah. every year. Yeah, feel don't, good about don't themselves. Stop messing with our Six Nations. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Uh, yeah, so Ellis Genge, did you, are you? I take it you saw his interview. I'm sure everyone has I now did. seen the interview. Um, mixed, may, mainly positive, but a little bit of a mixed reaction to that. Some some people saying that it was, you know, it was wrong his, the way that he was and having a beer in his hand, all that kind of stuff. Personally, no, I'm I, on the other ca- in the other camp. I think it was yeah. awesome. I think yeah, it, I, like I think it just highlights how how normal a, a bloke he is, um, and for the people saying he should take a leaf out of Ben Young's book, Ben Young's has nearly a hundred caps, and he went to private school. Ellis yeah. Genge grew up on one of the roughest estates in Bristol, and he's relatively new to the England team. He also yeah, scored I the try it. that won the game, and he's the baby rhino. So I thought it was awesome. I thought it was so it was so kind of real. Well, that, that's it. I don't want suddenly players not being able to say how they feel. And after the game, even like the, the Ben Young's thing in, in South Africa where he went like, sorry, off. do you know what? That, I, I prefer to see the real side of them. What, what does everyone want? Do they want a typical interview where they say what their media trained to say? Like, you know, it's about the team. We put in a good performance. We've got lots to build on for next week. That's what you want from the captain. Because yeah, captain speaking on behalf of everyone. But if you're going to go and interview Ellis Genge yeah, while he's I, I getting want, dressed, changed, I want him to be like, get me. A bit. Yeah, he, I, he's going to point out a few sausages. 
He's going to point out a few sausages. And for those who have an issue with him drinking a beer doing it, just get over it. It's rugby. Beer and rugby are are kind of part of the same thing. I'd say it'd be the same with... with I I read some tweet from some guy saying, absolutely astonished. My My kids were absolutely astonished that a professional rugby player drinks a beer after the game. I thought, your kids don't know what rugby is, mate. Yeah, you, 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 your kids, your kids probably weren't astonished. Your kids were probably fine with it. You're <laughs> probably astonished, and you probably need to grow a pair. But... Never, never played the game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Played all your best uh, rugby from an armchair. And and uh, yeah, I, I don't think I, I don't understand why people have an issue with someone having a beer. Like, it's, I, uh, it's bizarre. The fact we've got to that point and people are saying that, I'm like, oh, yeah. Well, it's it's because um, it's England, isn't it? Yeah, I liked it. I, I, I liked it, awesome. it. I liked the fact. Very it's real. Well, yeah. Um, I want to end this episode, Dan, with uh, reading out a quote from. Um, so I was. I, I think it was. I think it was a. I don't know if it was a post-match report or if it was just a, a, an article written by. Um, Welsh referee. God, I'm having a problem with names today. Nigel, Nigel, Nigel Owens. Nigel Owens, and uh, to all our Welsh listeners, well, I say all, there's probably not that many, those of you who tune in, mainly when you think you're going to be listening to us explaining a loss. Um, <laughs> Nigel Owens, Welshman, says, I know some people out there seem to think England are arrogant. I know Welsh fans love to hate them, although it must be stressed that's very much in terms of traditional rugby rivalry only. But I've obviously got to know the England squad and management over the years, and I can tell you they are amongst the most down-to-earth, decent people you could wish to meet. I have a huge amount of respect for them, as I do for every team and player, all the teams and players that I've officiated. Indeed, very few would not be on my Christmas card list. There was no need for Owen Farrell's gesture, but it showed him to be the likeable individual that he is. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, good. We well, knew I'm it. Good. We knew it. Yeah. But now, now you've heard it from the, from the mouth of a Welshman. Yes, exactly. So everyone get off England's back. Just exactly. You know, if Nigel Owens can support see them it. or do one, yeah. Dan, uh, we, we've we, we've squeezed out an episode from what was a pretty um, a pretty ropey game of rugby. Yeah, uh, we, we, we did it. We, we, we won. We won. We got the W. Bigger and better yeah. things to come. Um, and I think that you know, the, the, the hidden away amongst. All goings on of, of last Saturday, I think there were some positives, and and I'm confident that you know back at HQ, without it blowing a hurricane, um, I think we're going to see some we're going to see England just starting to turn things around. So I think you know as much as they say it wasn't, I think World Cup fatigue did exist, um, and I know other people will say, well, all the teams had that. Well, no, all the all the other teams had more time off because they went yeah. home earlier. Um, so, so yeah, I think I think you know the second half against South Africa, against France, it just started to to come good. We had a slightly weird one against Scotland, but we got what was needed out of it. Ireland and Wales, watch out! Yes, completely. And if anyone from the Six Nations scheduling is listening, please stop putting England games on Sundays. You lemons, they're much sausages, better on a Saturday. Sausages. sausages, yeah, you sausages. I much prefer a Saturday game. That's because you like a beer, mate. It is, it is. Yeah, I should, I should go down with Ellis Games. Yeah. Not not sure he'd want to do that with you. <laughs> I'm, pretty sure, I'm pretty sure I'm the last person he wants to have a beer with. But, you know. On that I'll note. Ellis, Ellis, come here. 
on that right. note, uh, guys, we're gonna we're gonna leave it there. We will we will be back. We'll we'll, we'll have uh, an episode early next week to or no mid next week sometime. I don't know exactly how we're gonna do it. We'll we'll shuffle things around, but we'll there will be a out, yeah. at least one more before the uh, the Ireland game. Um, maybe we'll, maybe we'll do an extra one. Have a look back at Ireland's performances so far and see if we can uh, identify some areas that England can target. Um, so we'll be back, but we'll one way or another we'll be back with you next week. And uh, and yeah, bigger and better things to come. Um, so please make sure you tune in, and if you haven't already, subscribe because that way you'll get all the episodes, and you won't be inundated because we just this year we're just going to be doing the the tournaments, so you'll only be getting the episodes when there's rugger bugger going on. Um, guys, rate and review us if you get the opportunity. Let us know what you think. If you've got any questions, get in touch. Ask those questions because it's always useful to have something to to kind of guide the episodes and lead us. Um, And, uh, yeah, we will be back and catch up with you next time. Thanks, guys. (laughs) 